I want you to uh, go with me tonight to start with over to the book of 2 Kings. I'm going to talk to you about uh, why God would want you, particularly you, to prosper. And shout this out, God's will is prosperity. Well-being in every area of life. Now, if you're here on Sunday mornings, we're talking about the foundation for the prosperous soul, which is the key to a prosperous life. And we've dealt with a prosperous mind. Say, it, my mind is functioning at a whole new level. Amen. You see, a pastor has said that by faith. Well, bless God. At least you said it by faith. Amen. <laughs> Say it with me. My mind. Say, my emotions are functioning at a whole new level. To be able to feel things deeply and then go ahead and choose God anyway. Do you know that when you preach something, like telling people when you're having some kind of a, an emotional attack or something's trying to come on you, and you talk about things like pausing, and pinpointing and pivoting, you get to try it. <laughs> so in other words, if God reveals to us you know, the keys and the secrets and the insights to a prosperous life, don't expect the devil to sit back and clap and say, oh, that's wonderful, go at it. Amen, I hope you get prosperous. No. Um, it's called the good fight of faith. By the time you know, we win. But you don't win if you don't enter into the field. You know, you got to get out there and do what God's called you to do. So it's an interesting scripture and an interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 7. You know that the people of God are under siege. And it was a very terrible situation to the point of people resorting to, you know, the possibility of cannibalism and other things just to survive. It was bad. And how you know the uh, devil does his best, but his best isn't good enough. And in chapter 7, the prophet begins to speak up. And here's what he says, and I want you just to follow along with this because this is so important because it reveals something about us in the position we need to be in mentally and in terms of our believing if we really want to see God bless and prosper our lives. I want to just read this to you from verse 1. Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord. Everybody say the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of flour will sell for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now listen to this. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Listen, be careful what you shout back at God when God's trying to help you. If you're going to talk back, make sure it's faith. And he says this, the officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? And listen to what he says. Prophet says, You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Now when God is promising us something in Scripture, you know, if we're listening to the wrong thing, the voice of the devil, or the voice of culture, society, religious people, amen, we've been sucked into a YouTube channel or some Twitter account or somebody's fake book account. Right. And instead of listening to what God said, it's going to keep you from having what God designed for you to have. Now, this officer was supposed to be a partaker just like everybody else. But when given the good news of the breakthrough, everybody say breakthrough, he just couldn't receive it. And I want to start out by talking to you about God's desire to prosper your life. You have to make sure you're setting yourself up for that. First of all, it has to do with a certain attitude. There is an attitude about a person that can receive from God, and there is an attitude about a person who will not receive from God. The siege, listen, 
shows you what God's will is. That seas being broken supernaturally shows you God's desires to take care of his people. How many know we've never seen the righteous forsaken? Or is he begging bread? And that's an important thing for you to remember when the world is crying out all kinds of problems, everything from total collapse of the stock market, you know, to double interest rates, you know, to inflation that's rampant, we're going to be the next Venezuela. We're not going to be the next Venezuela. The people of God live here. The people of God, amen, have an influence in this culture. And we're going to keep that influence in Jesus' name. But, you know, when, when God's making a promise, you know, you know, people are just, uh, you know, tempted to get into all kinds of mindsets and not be positive, not be thinking with the right attitude that, hey, God is going to turn this thing around in Jesus' name. Um, and, yeah, if all you see is siege, if all you see is carnage, if all you see is defeat, but when God speaks, it should change your attitude. It should be positive. Can I have an amen? It should also be expectant. At that moment in time, we should expect God to move in our lives. Why? Not because we said it, but because he said it. And this, this book is filled with promises that are not, you know, where God stuttered and they're not maybe, they're yes and they're amen. And not for some other person. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yeah, you expect it for somebody else. You need to start expecting it for you. You're reading the healing scriptures, expect a healing for you. If you're looking for wisdom, don't think everybody else is going to get it. You expect wisdom for you. And if you need a financial breakthrough, don't think about somebody else getting it. God's talking to you tonight. Don't be the one that they get to see somebody else having the breakthrough, but you're not going to partake of it. Why wouldn't you? Because of a thing called attitude. Say, my mindset is positive. It's expectant. And the third thing that should have been going on here is, oh, thank God, the breakthrough has come. But instead, he's a sourpuss and he's negative. And he's like the second most powerful person in this story. He said, I am thankful. Thankful when? After you see it, watch, it hadn't appeared yet. The time to be positive and expected and thankful is what? When you hear it. You should be excited when you hear the promise of God. Lots of people get excited after something manifests. Amen. God's people get excited when they hear because hearing something from God means what? It's as good as done. Come on, say it. It's as good as done. Why? Because God's not a liar. And you know, God's word just doesn't confirm itself once. God's word confirms itself over and over and over and over and over again. Has it ever worked for you, church? Has he ever come through for you, church? Has he ever blessed your socks off? Well, he'll keep doing it over and over and over again because that's the nature of your God. And some of you might have been in some type of famine. In Jesus' name, you're coming out of it. You're coming out of that lack. You're coming out of that pressure in Jesus' name. If he can do it for these folks, he can do it for you. And it's not just living, you know, hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck. It's about getting involved in what God wants to do in this last day, specifically with his mission. In other words, you can either believe or you can be somebody who's not on the receiving end. And that's not the worst part of it. If you read further on in the scripture, you'll find out that that wasn't even the end for this man. In verse 17. Now the king had put the officer on whose arms he leaned in charge of the gate, and the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died just as the man of God had foretold when the king came down to his house. 
It happened as the man of God had said to the king, About this time tomorrow a sea of flour will sell for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer had said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, uh, could this uh, happen? The man of God had replied, You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. This is exactly what happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died. Let's just sum this up. We believe God or we get trampled. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being trampled. Amen. How many of you have had some trampled days in your life, yeah. some trampled seasons? No, you're not going into a trampled season this time. You're going into abundant season. Where when God speaks, you're going to have a great, a great attitude about it. Yes. You're going to have an expecting attitude about it, and you're going to be thankful. Amen. How thankful are you? Say it with me. I am so thankful. So Come on, say it. I am so thankful. Get a hold of this tonight. Your best days are in front of you. They're not behind you. He didn't bring you this far to fail you. Be excited. With all this stuff going on, that has nothing to do with you. Everything going on in this world is not the authority for you. Everything in this book is the authority for you. This is a terrible, terrible situation, and God brought the breakthrough. Amen. Say it with me. I'm going to believe. <laughs> I'm not getting trampled. <laughs> Come on, say, I'm going to believe. I'm not getting trampled in Jesus' name. Now, the good news for you and for me is that even if he has to do something supernatural, he'll keep his word. There are a lot of ways God can bless your socks off. He's got a million ways. He's the source. Say, he's the source. He has a million ways to bless you, to get it to you. And some seem natural, but even if there's not some natural you know, way available or it's not what he wants to use, there's always something he can do supernaturally to take care of you. Now the key is, don't get your eyes on the method. Don't pay attention to how he chooses to do it. You just believe what his word says. Well, I don't have a word like that. The prophet didn't say it to me. No, but you have other promises in the word of God that are yours. And the proof of this scripture is if he did it here, he can do it again. Amen. Say it with me. I'm going to believe and receive and partake. I'm not getting trampled. I'm going to say it boldly. I refuse to be trampled in the day of victory. How sad is that? We talked about 3 John 2. Let's all say it together. Beloved, I pray. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Depend upon your soul prospering. So let me get this straight. If my soul prospers, my mind, my will, and my emotions, if I'm honoring what God actually says and living consistent with those premises and those expectations, can I really expect God to do what the Scripture says? Let me help you out here. The most victorious people on this planet right now are those that read God's Word, believe it, and act on it. No parsing, no debating, you know, well, I didn't do this right, or I didn't interpret that right. No, just believe the Bible. Amen? Say it, I believe what the Word says. And I just happen to believe that the Apostle John knows more about the heart of Jesus than some YouTube channel. I'm just, I'm going to go with John. Say, I'm going with John, the apostle, foundational. Do you know he'll be sitting on a throne? Yes. Amen. Together with the others. Yes. yes. I believe he's got a little more authority than the guy on TikTok. Yes. Just saying. 
I'm going to go with the word of God. There are reasons why God wants you to prosper. And I want you to write these down because I want you to meditate on these. It, uh, there's something bigger than just what people think this is all about. In Deuteronomy 8, I want you to put your eyes on this because I want to talk about it for just a moment. God kind of lets the, the cat out of the bag. And don't ever think that just, you know, read something in the Old Testament doesn't relate to you. The principles do relate to you. And they're just filled with great revelation. Let me know when you're on Deuteronomy 8. Look at verse 10 just by way of starting here. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. So you thank Him before and you thank Him after. Uh, religious people often thank God before they eat. Smart people thank Him after they eat too. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands and His laws and His decrees that I'm giving you this day. You know the laws, the decrees, the commands that made you victorious in the first place? Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert and the thirsty and waterless uh, desert, that uh, land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble you, to test you, so that you in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And what? And so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. Watch this. He brought them out of Egypt. The Bible says, laden with silver and gold. Not one of them faltered. From the old to the young. Not sick, not faltered, didn't lose them. Then they're in the wilderness and he provides for them day by day by day, proving his ability to take care of his people. And now he's blessed them profusely in that land. And God says, don't forget me. I'm the one that brought you. Amen. Look at somebody say, dance with the one that brung you. But watch what he says. It is God that gives you the power to get wealth. Why? Because you increasing, you being blessed is what? A confirmation of his covenant. Included in the covenant is God's commitment to his people. That's why you shouldn't be fearing what you hear on CNN, if you can believe half of what you see on CNN. You should hold fast to the word of God in all seasons of your life. Why? Because it confirms his covenant. Now, this is twofold. I want you to get this down. It confirms the covenant and it advances the covenant. God is the one that's actually doing this. In other words, it's a covenant promise to take care of you. I think I need to say that about 15, 20 more times. He has promised by covenant, by blood to take care of you. Blood has been shed so that you would be taken care of. 
He made you the way you are, your body, soul, and spirit. He knows that you have needs beyond the spiritual. And it's not one or the other. Now, that would be a wonderful thing to get up and dance about if you were an Old Testament believer. You mean, my God, Jehovah God, El Shaddai, Amen, El Elyon, the Most High God, has covenanted by the, what? By the blood of animals to take care of us. You're not under that covenant. The blood of the Lamb of God has been shed. That's the covenant you're under. If it worked with animals, how much more is it going to work with the blood of the spotless, sinless Son of God? In fact, on the cross, he took your poverty. Why in the world would somebody walk around in the New Testament era saying that's a blessing from God? It's a curse to have lack. It's not a blessing. And God actually moving on your behalf as a child of God, as one of his people, it confirms the covenant. Here's what I said I would do. And then when you increase, when you are blessed, it shows that God was telling the truth. Say, he is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie. And he, he doesn't need you to have all understanding about how he will do it. You know, if you've been in this a while, you know, you've seen the hand of God. Raise your hand if you've seen God move on your behalf. You can't even explain it half the time. You know, and when we started out as a married couple, our income that year was $3,000. We were $11,000 below the poverty line the first year we got married. We thought we were rich. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to stay at $3,000 a year. I'm not an idiot. If it was so good, just stay there. $3,000 today is worth very, very little. But what did, what did God do? I'll tell you what he did. He hooked me up with a man named Charlie Owens. He was this uh, fellow from the Church of God who actually ran all the properties for the Assemblies of God when I was in graduate school. And he said, look, he goes, uh, you're in this one-bedroom apartment with no heat and no air conditioning. Uh, I know you're getting married, so we have one coming up and over here that we manage this particular uh, you know, part of the property. And it's a one-bedroom apartment fully furnished. He goes, matter of fact, I'm just going to rip out the carpet, put brand new carpet in there and brand new furniture for you. Now watch this. Don't get envious. Watch this. $215 a month, utilities included, right across the street from where my wife worked and from where I went to school. Shandai, Shandai, see my bow tie, amen. That is God doing what? I didn't need a lot because he was providing a lot. And I watched God begin to kick in fast. It wasn't long before the job I had. You know, I took another job at the hospital, made $2 more an hour. Woo, Jesus. I mean, we, exactly. And then from there, I was hired at the hospital, uh, an afternoon shift in uh, the coding department, and was bumped up again. The first, the first year I'm married, I'm increased like three times. And I'm blessed. Yeah. He says, you're blessed. You married me. Of course you're blessed. <laughs> but you, you begin to see what? This pattern. This unexplainable pattern of a gracious God that cares about his people. And maybe you sat here in, in churches all your life and they told you that, you know, God didn't care about that stuff and you shouldn't be believing God. for the, You should believe what the Bible tells you to believe. Does that make sense? It, you know, we're not parsing scripture. We're not taking it out of context. When Jesus himself said, give and it shall be 
given to you. Who said that? Jesus. Well, that's not what it means. Oh, really? Now, you know more than Jesus. I mean, the mental gymnastics you have to go through to deny the obvious claims and promises of Scripture are amazing. It would wear me out. Just believe what he says. He gives you the power. Said, I got the power. Said, I've got the power. Said, I have the power to get wealth. Who gave you the power? He did. Why did he give you the power? To confirm his covenant. Amen. You are my people. You accepted my son. That sacrifice means something to you. Now I'm going to bless you and confirm my covenant. That's not the only reason why he does it. But I mean, it's a pretty good starting place for God to prove that I'm not a man that I should lie. I don't say one thing and then do another. Amen. Regardless of what happens in the American economy, and the world economy, God's going to take care of you. And some of y'all needed to hear that tonight. Say, so my God is going to take care of me. Our job, just keep on honoring him. Amen. Just keep on honoring, doing what scripture says. and You'll be so glad that you did. Why would God want you to prosper? Number two, it gives him great pleasure. <laughs> great pleasure. Psalm 35, 27. <laughs> you might remember what that says? Well, let's just turn over there and put our eyes on it. Let's feast on it. I've looked at all kinds of versions of this particular scripture, and they all say the same thing. You're at Psalm 35. Say, I'm there. Aren't you excited? It's God's covenant to take care of you. Verse 27, may those who delight in my righteous cause, and if he seeks a vindication, meaning proving God is right, his cause is right and just, shout for joy and gladness. <laughs> you get a revelation of, of what God wants to do. It doesn't make you sad. It makes you glad. There's no excuse to be a sourpuss Christian in the day that we live. It's just too much revelation, too much goodness of God, too many good things that he is doing. Amen. We need to brighten up. Smile. You know what rejoice really means? To brighten up, to smile, and to turn around in celebration. Uh, you don't have to do it right now, but you just keep that in mind. That's what we should be doing in response to the word of God and to the promises of God. And what, look what he says here. He says, who favor my righteous cause. Anybody here favor his righteous cause? Anybody yeah. all for his redemptive mission? How do you want to seek and save them that are lost? Do what we're supposed to do. Praise God. May those who delight in my vindication, my righteous cause, shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, well, I wouldn't want to say that God wants to prosper his people. I wouldn't want to say that. That's in direct contradiction to the command of God. 
May they always say, the Lord be exalted. Who delights in the prosperity or the well-being of his servants. He delights in it. As parents, you know that feeling when your kid wraps up a, you wrap up a present for Christmas your kid has wanted. Simple or extravagant, you know, cheap or not, or expensive. You know the joy of seeing what? Their eyes light up. What does it do for you? It gives you a taste of why it's more blessed to give than to, than to receive. Now, your father delights in your well-being. That is directly contradictory to religious teaching. It says that God delights in your suffering. Can I give you a tip here? Uh, you're not qualified to suffer on Jesus' behalf. Your suffering is persecution. Your suffering is fighting to maintain what he died to provide for you on the cross. You are not the Savior. And it's semi-blasphemous for somebody to say, I'm suffering like Jesus. You will never suffer like Jesus. You will never have the full weight of all the sins that have ever been and ever will be, all the sicknesses and disease that will ever be, all the demonic oppression, everything that goes with that hell and that curse, all at one time, on him for you and for me. Don't even think for a minute you're going to suffer like Jesus. You're not the suffering servant. You're the benefactor of the servant that suffered. Amen. Amen. And he delights. Don't you want to give him some more delight? <laughs> like, like, pour it on, Father. Amen in Jesus' name. I want to see you smile some more on my behalf. You'll find out that, that religion will always go counter to the plain teachings of Scripture. Say it with me. It's just easier, it's just easier to read it, to read and, it believe it and believe it and act on it. Act on. Just believe what he says. That Bible says he takes great delight and pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Well, who are they? Those are people who delight in his righteous cause, who absolutely are for what he's doing. Your, your mind, your will, your emotions are tied in what God is doing. That's why we start talking about the foundation for the prosperous soul. But if we're committed to that, we can enjoy it. Amen. Amen. Are you still here? Amen. Say, I am still here. I am still here. Say, my God, my God takes pleasure, takes pleasure in, in my prosperity. Let me give you just a natural reason why you should increase. It increases the tax base of the nation. Jesus said, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if you make $10,000 a year, you're not contributing to the national interest as much as you are when you make $100,000 a year. Well, I don't care about that. Well, you selfish thing, you. It's selfish for you not to prosper. Amen. There are an awful lot of good people who have sacrificed their lives for this nation. That's right. That's right. Amen. And they should be supported. Right. Our first responders and our police and those in the military, we have no idea the price they have paid, the things they have seen and undergone. So you and I can sit here tonight in freedom and preach and receive the word of God. That's right. And we can never do enough for them. If I were a U.S. Senator, <laughs> I would push the complete reformation of the VA system. Amen. And what I would do is I would shut down these white elephants all over the country and I would give every, every vet a Cadillac health policy. Amen. You go wherever you want to go under any circumstances. Why? Because they earned it. Yes, they Amen. Amen. 
But watch this. You and me prospering helps support things that legitimately should be supported. Yes. Yes. We believe that a person out of, out of work, if they don't work, they don't eat. We believe the people out of work so are not worse than an infidel and unbeliever not supporting their family. We believe that. At the same time, there are people who are hurting and need help. And what we do with tax money that we give, actually, you can say, I don't, I don't agree with what everybody does with tax money. Well, I don't agree with everything they do with it either. But there's an awful lot of good things that are also done. Like you are super protected as a nation. Yes. Yes. Amen. So say with me, I don't mind increasing the tax base by prospering. It's a funny thing. If you make more, you got to pay more. The more you make, the more you got to pay. That shouldn't bother you at all. Amen. Glory to God. You and I say, well, I don't get welfare, blah, 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 blah. You, you benefit in ways you don't even think about every single day. If you had to put a price just on the, on the highway system in this nation, you're talking trillions of dollars. You drive on, and most of them aren't toll roads, are they? Does that make sense? Now, people in, in leadership and government should be good stewards with it. Shouldn't be funding abortion with our tax dollars. Plain and simple. So what do you do? You believe God and you pray and you seek God like so many saints did in Kentucky and you shut that industry down in Jesus' name. Yes. And while you're at it, go ahead and shut down any politician that supports it in Jesus' name. That's right. Let's go ahead and kick them out of office for the, you know, yes. the you know proliferation of basically murder of the unborn. That's it. Amen. Amen. But the bigger picture is you and I shouldn't walk around grumbling about taxes. Got to go pay taxes again. Why? Because the Lord even has a solution for that. You need something? Got to pay tax? Go get your fish. Let the corn out of its mouth. He got a million ways to take care of you. No believer should walk around saying, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" You're going to seek God. If you've been a sower and a giver and tithe, He's going to make a way. <laughs> Amen. Number four. You prospering enlarges the resources of the local church for its missions and its ministry and its outreaches. Amen. Does that matter? Yes, That's why it's called a storehouse. Oh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Now, I'm, we're assuming here that people understand the value of the tithe and the offering. I got one come on and a couple O's. I should have a lot of amens in this church. I mean, this is the Overcomers Club. Uh, this is not, I'm still trying to figure it out, club, or maybe I'll get there. Say, I'm a tither, I'm a giver. And it doesn't take you long to figure out if you really are a tither and a giver and you're sensitive to his mission and the redemptive mission of Jesus Christ in these last days, especially in these last days, the more you make, the more you give. It's just rocket science tonight, isn't it, church? It's just like, no. When you're a faithful person. And then what I know is that you're not just saying, well, okay, so I'll give God the first ten dime of every dollar so I can be involved in this. No, your heart begins to be moved towards certain things. God touches your heart for certain things, certain ministries, certain missions. You know, and on top of that tithe, you begin to sow and you give. But you can't do that if you're walking around. You can't rub two nickels together. After a while, you get a track record. Say it with me. I have a track record in heaven. Come on, say I have a track record. Do you know that when you invest in the kingdom of God, you're storing up treasures in heaven? It's not just for use in heaven. You have an account. 
And by faith, you can what? Withdraw. But if you go down to, uh, you know, whatever the banks are called these days, I can't keep up with their names. But if you go down to the Murray Bank and you say, I'd like to withdraw $5,000, they're going to do what? They're going to see if you've got $5,000 in there. <laughs> and when they look at you with a raised eyebrow, say, I'm sorry, but uh, you have $1.25 in here. You are not getting $5,000. Now, most people don't think this way, but as you honor God, it's not just the literal benefit to the local church in terms of ministry. You're actually storing up treasures in heaven. And the more you make, the more you can be a blessing. And uh, I, I appreciate, you know, the, the giving heart of this church. The, you know, the renovations you're seeing outside, they're going to come by here and pave this place on, on Friday. Isn't that wonderful news? It's going to be, it matters, yeah. Um, and uh, look at your neighbor and say, it ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. It's not cheap. But our God's not broke. And he knows what we need for where we're going. And you know what? The day it's done, the church will be able to write a check for everything they did out there. That's what faithfulness does in the house of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but whatever else he has for us, I want to see us do it. Raise your hand if you want to see us accomplish everything God's called us to do. Um, This activity is building is going to be a blessing to this community and to this church. I finally have a figure in my spirit. You want to know what it is? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if, if you want to hear what it is, raise your hand. I'm just telling you what's in my spirit. We haven't actually done any drawing of plans or anything like that, but I, I tend to be pretty accurate with this kind of thing when the Spirit of God is talking. Imagine that, though. The Spirit of God knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but I've been praying about it for a while. And uh, we're talking about full court, you know, activities oh, yeah. area. We're talking about a full commercial kitchen. Uh, educational rooms to take care of not only for the school, but also for adult education, you know, adult Bible college, all that kind of stuff, and doing it right and building it right. Uh, $2.1 million. Amen. I know what some of you are thinking. Let me write the check right now. Amen. I'll just go ahead and write it down for you, praise the Lord. Debt-free. <laughs> yes, Amen. Debt-free. Can anybody get in agreement with that? Yes. Well, if it costs 1.9 or 2.2, well, the Lord will take care of that as well. That's right. Um, and oh, by the way, the 2.1 was furnished. That's right. Praise the Lord. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to us on this side. To God, to God it's just a bunch of zeros. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And he is well able to do it. Um, and that's what happens. You know, whatever it is, an outreach or a fall festival or a seriously needed upgrade, you know, God expects us to take care of the building that He's given to us. That's right. Um, that's why everything inside is being done. In 20, 22 years, things need to be taken care of. And I'd say the same thing about you. Take care of what God has given you. Don't let your house turn into a dump. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. When you open up your car door, you know, five years of McDonald's wrappers flies out. That's not good. That's not, that's not honoring to God. Take care of what you have. Amen. If you expect God to continue to move in your life. You may have an old dog, but it's the prettiest old dog driving in town. Amen. As you drive down the road, it may speak in tongues as you go by, but it's yours. Amen. Thank God for it. Amen. And believe him for what, uh, what's in your heart. But when it comes to, to the local church, it, it doesn't do any good to pretend that we don't know really how this works. You know, you're giving to Him. That's 
Does that make sense? Yes. But for the agency of his mission on this earth. And the gospel is free. Whosoever will. But the pipeline is not. So, you know, you're making a phenomenal difference. I mean, just things that have never been seen before. And there are some people, I believe, and can sit in a meeting like this and they'll go, okay, well, there's no need for me to be a part of this, you know, of God's blessing. No, that's all the reason for you to what? To be more of a blessing, more motivated, not sit down on God in the last days. You know, the Bible actually condemns people hoarding up treasure in the last days. We should be more open-handed than we have ever been. Because people matter. I'm going to see more people go to heaven, not less people go. Number five, empowers you to help the needy and the less fortunate. In other words, we're blessed to be what? A blessing. When we help the poor, we help those in trouble, we lend to the Lord, and the Bible says literally that He repays. Does that make sense? It's a lot of fun to be a giver. It's, it's, it's fun to see God bless you and you tithe and you give and you sow and then go through the community and just like that, God just stops you and says, I need you to do something for that person. You'll be sensitive as you go about your day because you never know who's really, really hurting. They just got a terrible news, you know, about a doctor bill or something happened. Somebody lost their job and this is going on and you just happen to be there. Can I help you out here? Born again, spirit filled, word, tongue talking believer doesn't just happen to be there. You were there. Don't miss the signal. Amen. And don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Just do what God's told you to do. Because they're out there. Uh, food prices are ridiculous. You know, one of the big things that's in my heart one day is for the Lord just to dump so much cash on this church that we could have the most, you know, effective and, and liberal, you know, giving to those that are hurting all over this region. Just entrust us with millions, God, so we can help people that are really struggling. And I believe if we'll be faithful where we are, He can do something like that. Not just, you know, sit on the can. You know, I know a pastor friend of mine pastored in, a, in this particular area of the country years ago. And uh, I mean, every little dollar they got, they had a, a hyper, you know, controlled type of environment with their, their structure. And they wouldn't even hire the guy part time, you know, secretary to help with the church. They, they just scroll it away, scroll it away, scroll it away for what? Well, one day they might do a building project, but they never actually invested in the, in the, you know, in the people of God in terms of getting people saved. People are the point. Say with people are the point. Lost people matter to God. And what God is getting ready to do, you know, in us and through us in the, in the coming months and years is the most aggressive we have ever been. And some of you have been around here. No, we've been aggressive. God's taking us up to a whole new level. But wouldn't it be wonderful just to walk around, amen, handing each of you, you know, you know, a couple thousand dollars and $100 bills and have about 50 of you doing this and you just go around asking God who needs help. Amen. Wow. <laughs> that makes sense? Well, you know, the religious mind says, well, I don't believe that would be a wise use of resources. That's why nobody's asking you. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just talking and dreaming out loud. Uh, to be a blessing. We're blessed to what? Be to be a blessing. Amen. What marked me, and I'll move on, uh, is when Timothy and I went to St. Louis for a ball game, and then we went to uh, Cheesecake Factory. That's always a good idea. Oh, yeah. 
I believe the glory of God resides in the Cheesecake Factory. Isn't that, isn't that right, brother? <laughs> and uh, I just tell you this because it's incredible how much joy, you know, I received from how it marked me. But uh, we were early and there was nobody in there, but there's this couple ladies. And uh, in, am I right about this, Ronnie, that uh, black church ladies know how to dress? They, I mean, they were just gorgeous. They were like 70, 80 years old each, and they were just dressed to the nines. I don't know if they had a service to go to or whatever. I didn't know what it was, but I just sat down with Tim having a meal, and I just as clear as the bells. I'm talking to you. I heard in my spirit, I want you to pay for their bill, and I want to make you make sure that they get cheesecake. That was the order of the day. Make sure. Well, you know, you need to have cheesecake if you're going to the Cheesecake Factory. Just rebuke the carbs and eat your cheesecake and shut up, amen? It's not a time to go spouting no keto nonsense. Just eat your cheesecake, bless God, and have a good time. <laughs> you know, there are people, and they've done a really good job because that's the way God has led them to, you know, to handle this kind of thing. And... Uh, Kelly's always saying, we need to be on keto. I said, I am on Arto. <laughs> Whatever Art wants. <laughs> now, she'll tell you that there's a lot of changes that I've made through the years in terms of things I just don't really eat anymore. And after a while, you lose your taste for them. But they sat down, and boy, they're having a good time. You know, we're enjoying, you know, our meal. And so I told the server, I said, these ladies on the other side over there, make sure you bring me the bill. Make sure they order cheesecake or whatever they want. And so they did, and... Uh, Finally, um, they go over there and, and they get their cheesecake and they're asking for their bill. And, and the lady says, well, some of, the, some of the person, you know, in the restaurant took care of their bill. And the, the one lady's just big old smile on her face. The other one lady says, well, isn't that great? And then the one lady turned to the other. She said, you know what? No one's ever done that for me ever. Now, this lady's something like 80 something years old. And here's what she said. This is how the Lord marked me. And I will, I will never ever turn away when God tells me to help somebody, to bless somebody because of this. She said to that server, it's my birthday. Amen. And I said, mm-hmm. How much does God love his people? Amen. He just wanted to come by and buy her a piece of birthday cheesecake. Yeah. Say it with me. Born again? Spirit-filled? Tongue-talking? Word people? Right, don't just happen. To be there. Come on, say it again. Born again, spirit filled, tongue talking, word people. Just don't happen to be there. It's a wonderful way to live in the church. Is it nine o'clock yet? Number five, it spurs consumerism. Is this five? Six. six. Okay, I'm glad you're counting. <laughs> you say, is that a bad thing? No, because it drives a lot of jobs. Jobs, you know, drives a lot of the economy in this country. And uh, when people have, you know, disposable income, that kind of a thing. And God just doesn't mind you buying nice things and having nice things. He does have a problem with nice things having you. He's okay with that. Things through you. T.L. Osborne used to say all the time, a great missionary evangelist, long before Reinhard Bonnke, I mean, laid the foundation to win Africa for Jesus and other parts of the world. 
They used to say, surround yourself with things that you love and you'll live in joy and you'll live in peace. He realized that God was leading him to enjoy things in life. But this idea that God just wants us to be miserable until one day we die and go to heaven. No, you're your best version of yourself when you're actually enjoying your life. Does that make sense? Um, use everything as a tool, not as a destination. But understand that. And last tonight on this, just understand that um, you being blessed and prosper, your spending, your investment creates jobs all over this country. Just think about the purchase of one house. How many thank God for a place to live? But maybe you didn't think about when you bought a house or you bought a condo or you bought a second house or whatever it is you bought, how many people's lives were affected by that? How many jobs were affected by that? How many times money you know, changed hands and blessed somebody because you actually did that? You know, you know, religious Christians just don't think this way. Does that make sense? When you have a spirit of stinginess on you, you don't think this way. But when you have a, the Spirit of the Lord on you that is, you're thankful, you're expecting. You're not, you're not the guy saying, well, if God did a miracle, this wouldn't happen. No, you're saying, do it, Lord. Amen. Do it again in Jesus' name. Amen. Say it with me. I'm not going to get trampled on. I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Uh, you may not realize this, but what separates uh, the poor nations from the developed nations is a very robust middle class. Poor nations, they have rich people and poor people. Whenever you see a nation's middle class begin to rise up, that nation's going to prosper. More jobs are going to be there. And you have to understand this. You actually fuel that by being blessed. Yes. Poor people don't spur the economy. People in poverty don't spur the economy. Does that make sense? And this nation, you can always tell what's happening with this nation based on what's happening with the middle class. When they're paying too much for gas or there's an extra $700 a month just to put food on the table and gas in the car, it's a serious issue for working middle class people. Does that make sense? But you don't have to be afraid of that because the blessing of God is on you. Come on, say the blessing of God is on me. And that's why in times like this, you don't get all you can, sit on the can, amen. You invest, you give, you sow. The dumbest thing people do is, is in times of hardship is withhold. It takes everybody down. Maybe you've heard this. Well, you better go out to the bank and get all your cash out right now. Oh, the world is ending and it's going to be terrible, horrible. You know what? Don't do anything in fear. Amen. That's right. Amen. I said don't do anything in fear. If God leads you to take some out, fine. No big deal. But what happens if all of you tonight just ran to the bank tomorrow? You would cause hardship yes. to the ability of that bank to function. <laughs> huh? I was talking to a friend of mine who is uh, developing a 28-unit apartment complex uh, you know, in another state. And here's what's happened is because of the banking situation, it took three different banks to actually fund that. Three different Banks and basically tap them all out of their lending ability. The carnal Christian doesn't think, you know, properly about these things. When you're actually a sower and a giver, you're helping spur not just yourself, you affect other people. Not just when you buy somebody's groceries, but when you live your life, live a prosperous life, the normal function of living a prosperous life, it builds up that middle class, it causes jobs to be developed in this country. Amen.
And in fact, you find out that to a large extent, it's the body of Christ that drives the economy in the United States. Yeah. And if the full body of Christ would tithe, there wouldn't be a mouth empty tonight. There wouldn't be a single homeless person. Watch this. And there wouldn't be a single church with debt on it. That's the power of this. All that reinvestment builds up and causes a, a you know development of that economy. So I don't know about you. I don't want to be the official that gets trampled because I don't believe it. Look at somebody say, my trampling days are over. Say, my trampling days are over. In other words, it tells us that not prospering and increasing and growing is a selfish thing actually to do. Say, I have the responsibility to prosper and the opportunity to prosper. Now, I'm on a fixed income. You're the only one that fixed it. You took on that mindset that this is what you do. You retire, and then you get real, real, you know, stingy about everything. No. Apply the principles of the Word of God, and you won't be on a fixed income. In other words, that, that retirement check or that uh, 401k, whatever it is, that's just a stream. That's not the only stream. You just bought into the lie. Amen? Say, so it's God's will for me to prosper. It establishes... Confirms, reaffirms his covenant. It pleases him. And it does a lot of good for a lot of people. Amen. You just don't realize that you're being faithful and you're watching God prosper you and you're paying your taxes and you're paying your, you know, your tithe, you're sowing and you're giving. You impact people you don't even see with your own eyes. We give directly to people and we give indirectly to people. Does that make sense? I sure would like to see the faces of the little Jewish ladies that are, that are out there by themselves somewhere under pressure tonight, facing renewed anti-Semitism. And to see their face when the Jewish Christian Fellowship people show up with a big old box of food that will last for an entire month because of churches like you who gave into it. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful lifestyle, the prosperous lifestyle, as long as you understand it's not all about you. Say, I'm a conduit. For the blessing of God. Said, I am blessed to be a blessing. And people that just don't have a revelation of the say, well, you know, they're just those prosperity people. They don't have a clue what this means. And they also don't understand the responsibility that goes with it to be blessed with God. Too much is given, much is required. Amen. And instead of taking your billions because you're a tech guru and investing in the proliferation of population control, we're called to what? To replenish the earth. Taking your billions basically to stop people from being born in this earth. God help us that the right people have the money in Jesus' name from now on. Anybody here want to relieve one of those tech, you know, billionaires of their money? Maybe they're right. The wealth of the wicked laid up for the just. That's one of the reasons the devil fights you. Because he knows what a word person will do with it. Amen. <laughs> yes, amen. Glory to God. Say it with me. It's okay to be blessed. It's just not okay to be selfish. When you get blessed, first thought should be honoring God. Not just, you got me, I want to have a bill, but God, you have an offering. <laughs> you have a seed. And your second thought should be what? 
What else should I be doing? Be that blessing. Glory to God. Come on, give me a big hand clap and thank him tonight. I want to just uh, close this out one more time by just reading the scripture in 2 Kings. So go back there. I want you to, to leave with this deeply in your spirit. Say it, my attitude is positive, expectant, and thankful in Jesus' name. Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time. Tomorrow a sea of flour will sell for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You know what's, what's stunning about that scripture? That's exactly the promise God makes in Malachi 3. Yeah. This is what we call negative prophetic utterance here. He has no idea what he's saying. And then the prophet responds, You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. That's not happening to you in Jesus' name. Say, it's not happening to me. Why? Because just as I, you know, the prophet expected those to believe and everybody else did, including, you know, royalty and those that followed him. Uh, do you believe it? Do you believe what God has promised you? Say, I'm a believer. Say, I'm a believing believer. No, uh, I'm not going to see it and not partake of it. You know what's interesting? <laughs> uh, even people that criticize you, they're still going to see it. They're just not going to partake of it the way they could. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say it. God's will is that His people have well-being in every area of life. Amen. Now you know a little bit more about why He wants you to be blessed. Amen. Glory to God. I like what the Spirit of God is saying tonight. He's telling you that as a word person, Amen. Spirit-filled, born again, tongue-talking. Amen. You're not somewhere by accident. Be aware a divine appointment could be the very reason you're where you are. Restaurant. Amen. If you're going to Walmart, it needs to be a divine appointment. Hallelujah. You know, it means divine yeah. patience. Somebody say, well, you know, they're still the cheapest in town. Well, just believe God, so it doesn't matter. 